A giant biomedical research package called 21st Century Cures is being cleared for President Obama's signature. It authorizes money for Vice President Joe Biden's cancer moonshot, precision medicine initiatives at the National Institutes of Health, and it would make regulatory changes at the Food and Drug Administration. But it also would trigger what some in Congress have called a long-overdue overhaul of the mental health system. But that effort could collide with Republican attempts to scrap the 2010 health care law next year once President-elect Donald Trump is in office. I'm Adriel Bettelheim with CQ Roll Call, joined by New Jersey Democratic Congressman Frank Pallone, the ranking member of the House Energy and Commerce Committee, and by CQ healthcare reporter Andrew Siddons. Uh, Andrew, first, let's get to the status of things. The Cures package, it's gone in fits and starts. It's now clearing the Senate. Uh, there are a lot of appealing items in this package and the promise of medical breakthroughs, uh, but the way it's all supposed to be paid for is, is quite unusual. It kind of leaves the authority to congressional appropriators, right? Right. And um, this was help done to ensure an overwhelming passage in the, the House uh, last week. It's being done in a way that it creates a fund with a few hundred million dollars in it per year for the NIH that appropriators will have to give the NIH permission to draw down from each year. And it's specific for um, a few different prior research priorities, um, such as the cancer moonshot, a brain initiative focusing on Alzheimer's research. There's also funding for states to combat uh, the opioid abuse in there. And it did pass the House by an overwhelming margin last week. Congressman, how did a mental health overhaul get folded into a package that was at one time largely about drugs and medical devices? Well, as you know, we're in the lame duck and we're in the last few days. And so essentially, almost every major health initiative I got folded into this cures bill, as you mentioned, opiates, cancer moonshot, as well as uh, the mental health initiatives, because this is a must-pass bill at this point, and uh, and want to get it done before uh, the end of the session. Now, you and others in your party are raising concerns about what happens when Republicans go ahead with their stated plans to repeal parts, large parts, of the Affordable Care Act. That could somehow undercut the mental health efforts that are authorized by Cures? Well, I mean, it could, it could really undercut everything because uh, remember that uh, the, the, the most important thing about the Affordable Care Act is providing people with health insurance who didn't have it before. Uh, if they don't have health insurance or if they end up with a, a type of health insurance that doesn't cover uh, mental health or behavioral health, then, uh, then uh, we can pass all the initiatives we want, and they're not going to have access to care. So that's the problem. And Andrew, it specifically focuses on the effects of Medicaid cuts? Well, that's what a lot of advocates I've um, spoken to have been most concerned about. A lot of people with mental illness are also people with multiple uh, chronic con you know, conditions beyond their, their mental health. So cuts for this population to, to Medicaid uh, wouldn't just be detrimental for their access to mental health services, but their broader you know, physical health as well, um, which kind of creates a, a vicious cycle for certain lower-income populations. You've spoken to a lot of Republican lawmakers. What do they say about this argument? Well, Congressman Pallone's colleague, uh, Tim Murphy, has told me that he doesn't want to see people like this uh, slip through the cracks. And I think he's going to push uh, the Republican caucus to the extent that he can, you know, to make sure that 
you know, aspects of the mental health bill aren't under undercut when they pursue Obama and Obamacare repeal. He's mentioned to me that, you know, if there's a shift toward health savings accounts, that people who with certain mental illnesses uh, have trouble taking care of themselves, this isn't going to be an approach that's going to work for these um, populations. Others like Senator Bill Cassidy of Louisiana, who's been a big uh, proponent of the mental health bill in that chamber, sort of throw water on the idea that changes to Medicaid uh, would necessarily result in a loss of you know, loss of coverage. He has a plan that he says would you know help people and help help states where where people uh, are um, unexpectedly sick get more in a per capita block grant. So they're they're trying to push back against the, this argument. Uh, Congressman, you come from a state, New Jersey, that's expanded Medicaid under a Republican governor. Uh, what are you hearing from Governor Christie's administration or from others about how these envisioned cuts could ripple down? Well, Christie, you know, I'm not a fan of Governor Christie, but to his credit, he did agree to expand uh, Medicaid pursuant to the Affordable Care Act, and that was a good thing. The problem that you face here, see, is that if you Right now, the uh, mental health uh, services are what we call an essential benefit under the Affordable Care Act. So if you buy insurance now, uh, you have that as an essential benefit. Uh, And, of course, it's included under Medicaid as well. So what what the Republicans are doing, if they repeal the ACA, they can repeal it outright in case you— people who can't afford insurance won't get any insurance. They'll just be without insurance. Or they could eliminate the essential benefit package, in which case you can sell insurance without covering mental health care. Or in the case of Medicaid, if you block grant it like they're talking, then, you know, the states won't have as much money. So they could either eliminate certain categories of people that will not get Medicaid and therefore not health insurance. Or they could say, okay, we'll give it to the same universe, but we won't include uh, mental health services. So that's how uh, you know, the mental health services fall out, either because you have no insurance or you have some kind of insurance, be it public or private, that doesn't cover uh, mental health care. And that's the concern. Lacking majorities in, in both houses, how can Democrats uh, use their oversight role uh, to make sure that uh, critics' worst fears aren't realized? Well, I think the most important thing here is be practical, not be ideological. I mean, I didn't support... Uh, I mean, look, I, I do believe that uh, having... Health care is a basic right and that everybody should be covered. But at the same time, when we were putting together the ACA and the expanded Medicaid under the Affordable Care Act, it was really a practical way of providing private insurance for most people and then Medicaid government program for those who couldn't, you know, who didn't have any money at all to even participate essentially uh, in the Affordable Care Act or or buy private insurance. And so I think we just have to say, look, practically speaking, let's look at what's happening here. You, if, you know, you're talking about repealing a program. Uh, don't look at it from an ideological point of view and say you don't want the government involved in health insurance. Say, look, practically speaking, what are we doing here to make people's lives better? And I think if you look at it that way, you have to say that the ACA shouldn't be repealed, that Medicaid expansion shouldn't be repealed. Uh, but I, I think we just have to keep making that point that we don't want people to lose their health insurance. We don't want people to lose their mental health benefits. And it, ideologically, you, you shouldn't be looking at it ideologically. You look at it, practically speaking, what's going to happen to these people? Uh, along those lines, uh, but maybe looking down the road a bit more, how do you make sure that the commitments to NIH 
decade-long commitments in this Cures Bill uh, are actually carried through. Well, I think the same thing is largely true there. In other words, we're basically providing with the Cures Bill with extra money each year for the various things you mentioned, NIH in general, FDA, precision medicine, brain you know, research, moonshot. Um, it, we, we can't have the Republicans or the appropriators reduce the overall spending for any of those things because then the extra money under cures is going to be meaningless. So it's important to say, okay, this is extra, okay? You must be robust in your annual spending bills for all these things, and then this will be extra money on top of it. But if they start cutting back on the, on the basic appropriations or spending bills for any of these things, then we won't have accomplished anything. So we have to keep you know, the Republicans feed to the fire. I mean, this is a bipartisan initiative. They're, they're, they've agreed to this extra spending so that there's extra money to do this research, and they have to live up to that. Uh, Congressman, I think a lot of Democrats have said uh, that or acknowledged that the final cures package is not a perfect bill. Uh, and I think a lot of the Democratic reservations about the bill relate to the fear that there would be a lower standard for certain FDA um, approvals. What can you do, especially as you work to reauthorize FDA user fees next year, to make sure that the critics' worst fears here aren't realized and that the FDA keeps its you know, gold standard and high standards for drug and device approvals? Well, I think, again, that goes back to congressional oversight. I mean, I, I've been saying all along for the last two years, you know, when the authors of this legislation went out into the you know, they had forums all over the country, and they basically found that a lot of people said that clinical trials, approvals of drugs and devices could be improved in a way that, that, those, uh, that those devices and, and, and drugs came onto market quicker for people who needed help. Uh, anytime you do something that makes things quicker, some people are going to say, well, are you going to, you know, you're cutting corners too much, and is that going to affect safety? I think my feeling was that that wasn't going to be the case. In other words, that we, we found a way to have, you know, bring drugs and devices to market quicker and have clinical trials, you know, that would be more effective without, uh, without impacting safety. But that's something that has to be looked at every day, every month, every year to see, you know, whether that's true. And so that's our oversight function and we'll have to continue to carry out. And are you confident that the FDA wouldn't come up with new policies that its own leadership and reviewers are not uncomfortable with, that they won't do anything that they view as, as reckless? Well, again, you've got a change of administration. You're going to have new uh, leadership at the top of the FDA, and this case will be Republican. So I think it's going to fall on us as Democrats probably to be more vigilant because we, we will be fearful that, uh, you know, that a Republican administration is not going to be as, as vigilant in, uh, in, in the way they carry out uh, the act. Yeah. And I know you're probably not in touch with uh, people on the transition necessarily, but early on, I think a lot of people from New Jersey with ties to the pharmaceutical industry had the president-elect's ear. The pharmaceutical industry also, I think, has an interest in a strong FDA. What do you think about, uh, you know, what the what Trump's positions on pharma um, and FDA regulation are going to be? I don't know that I can really characterize what Trump's position is. I, I always worry that, that Trump is too much tied to corporate America, even though he suggests he's not. And so I will be, I will be concerned that, you know, he's, because of his corporate ties, that he won't be, or his administration won't be as vigilant in carrying out not only the Cures Act, but, you know, the FDA's 
basic philosophy. So I think we do have to be concerned, but I don't want to prejudge it because he hasn't really expressed any particular view that I know of. New Jersey Congressman Frank Pallone, the top Democrat on House Energy and Commerce, CQ Healthcare reporter Andrew Siddons on the 21st Century Cure Package and prospects for health legislation in the next Congress. I'm Adriel Bettelheim. Thanks for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher, and you can find all of our podcasts at rollcall.com forward slash podcasts.